Welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I thought I'd be healthier and better shape, feel better both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and be further along in my life? If so, come on this journey with my dad as he explores all things health and wellness from a holistic, medical perspective, even as a classically trained physician. He'll share integrative strategies to optimize health and inspire you to join the modern medicine movement. Welcome, 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 welcome everybody to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast and a big aloha from Hawaii. Dr. Thomas Hemingway here. Oh my gosh, guys, super excited. Super pumped, super grateful, grateful to be here with you guys. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I just, I'm so grateful for you guys because this is why I do this. I just love to share, love to add value. If you've experienced any value at all from this podcast, please, 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 please share it to those that you care about, your loved ones, your friends, your family, or just anyone who you think can benefit from these health and wellness strategies, this information that I've gleaned with my over 20 years of being a physician and my just really lifetime pursuit of trying to accomplish optimal health of our mind, our body, our soul, our spirit, our emotions, all things health. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I just love you guys. I so much appreciate your feedback. We've had thousands of downloads and uh, I just wanted to share one of the more recent uh, reviews with you guys. I just just tickles my heart to do this and to hear you guys' uh, feedback. This is from Tracy's iPods. Thank you, Tracy's iPods. She entitles it uh, Genuine and Informative, and this just came in over the weekend. So thank you, thank you so much for this review, five-star review. It says, Dr. Hemingway exudes the aloha spirit. I have listened to lots of health podcasts and have an interest in holistic and functional medicine. I truly admire that this podcast is really from the heart and the soul. The fact that he works the night shift in the ER, then comes home to take care of the kids and do a podcast is super impressive. I highly recommend this if you want to gain more knowledge about living a healthy lifestyle from a medical practitioner standpoint, that is easy to understand and appreciate. This is my favorite new podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy's iPod. So appreciate your feedback. I just, I love to hear it. So if you guys haven't submitted a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast, please, 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 please do so. It's super, super easy. It takes you less than one minute and will significantly boost our uh, viewership or hearership, whatever you want to call it. And I would so much appreciate it. At the bottom of um, the Apple podcast page, there's those five uh, stars on my screen. It's like a purplish uh, color. Click the one to the right, far to the right. That's the fifth, the five stars. And then right underneath that, there's that little link with kind of that notepad with the pencil that says write a review. Just click on that. Write me a quick review. I'd love to feature you uh, in an upcoming podcast. And really, I just love to hear your feedback. It just keeps me going because uh, doing this podcast, you know, it's obviously a free service that I do. And it takes it takes a lot of time and 
and energy and and I'm I'm a pretty busy dude. I, I work full time. I got six kids, as most of you guys know. And uh, at the end of the day, I I just love to still do this, even though occasionally it taps into my my me time, right? Maybe it's sleep or surf or whatever else. Um, but I just love, love, love to share this information with you guys. It's stuff that has helped me out. That's from my heart and my soul and my experience. And so thank you for sending a review. Thank you for listening and thank you for sharing. So super, super pumped guys. Thank you for that. So much appreciated. I, I just can't even tell you how much. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, another thing I think most of you guys have heard about by now, I have a uh, Facebook group. It's free. It's a modern medicine movement, health and wellness Facebook group. It's a free group. Go ahead, search it up, find it, uh, send me a request. I pretty much uh, approve everybody universally. I I love to get you guys involved. I'm starting to do um, Facebook lives on there with uh, content, especially for you guys. I'm putting posts up in there, hopefully to add value. I just want to get you guys good information and just share, share more and also get your feedback. You guys are welcome to make comments, ask me questions. Uh, I do my best to get to those. I also love the old school, the email. I'm at modern medicine movement podcast at gmail.com. My website, modern medicine movement.com. Um, at Aloha surf doc. Um, just reach out to me. Really appreciate it. So anyway, without further ado, just, Want to get pumped about today's topic. It's something that, gosh, I think all of us have heard about many, many times over the years. And I, like many other topics that I've just stressed in the past, there's a lot of misinformation and frankly, just untruths and, and tainted and just, just not good, awesome information out there on this topic. And it's actually something that I've been hearing about maybe many of you since I was a kid. I mean, I kid you not, I was in the third grade and my teacher back then, uh, one of them, I think, uh, homeroom teacher was a guy by the name of Mr. Roberts. And um, he used to tell me that I shouldn't salt my food. I think one time he caught me, you know, salting something. And he was like, ah, slap. I don't know if he slapped my hands or not. I, I hope not. But he, he told me, ah, you shouldn't salt your food. That's going to give you high blood pressure. And he was scolding me. Like, for real, he was scolding a third grader for salting his food. And <laughs> I never forgot that. It's crazy from, from the third grade. I mean, that's a pretty impressionable young, young mind to be talking to in this way. And, and I've thought about that many times over the years. And, and so I'm going to present today, you know, some data on salt. And, you know, when I say salt, usually we're referring to sodium, you know, salt is actually a crystalline structure uh, made of primarily, generally speaking, two elements, one on the left side of the periodic table, one on the right side, you know, sodium or, or what's in the salt form is usually sodium chloride. Um, but really anything that you see on the nutrition label that says sodium typically will account for part of your salt intake. And it's something that I think is just super important because, you know, does it really cause high blood pressure? Should I be worried? Should you be worried? Should your family be worried? I'm going to touch on all this stuff. And the response is uh, not the simple one that I was given by my third grade teacher. Sorry, Mr. Roberts. He certainly didn't have the data quite right. And and that's okay. I think just 
giving us ideas, things to think about, giving us something to learn, to question, to to be able to gather more information is super important. And so that's what I'm all about, gathering information and then hopefully disseminating it to you and sharing both that as well as my personal experience and uh, getting the good word out there. So anyway, when we talk about salt or should I say sodium, um, you can't really talk about it in a vacuum, right? Because in our bodies, things don't operate independently in a proverbial vacuum. They all sort of interact and work together synergistically and, and so on. And so salt really goes hand in hand or sodium hand in hand with water because, as we all know, water is so, so important and it follows the salt, really, or, or as we say in chemistry, the solute is salt, and the solvent is water. It's the quote-unquote universal solvent, right? It's the most important liquid in the world, in our life, probably in the universe, and is the universal solvent. And even way back when, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, Leonardo da Vinci recognized this, and he stated, and I quote, water is the driving force in nature, Water is the driving force in nature, quote, and he understood this. He understood that water follows the solute, uh, such as salt, for example. And many of us have heard of this process called osmosis, right? I think I was accused of, of learning this way in school. This is not what I'm talking about. This is not this unconscious learning or assimilation of ideas and knowledge that just sort of happens. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the process by which water moves, generally speaking, um, or any other solvent for that matter. But usually we're talking about water, water being the universal solvent. It, it basically can move through a semi-permeable membrane from what's a lesser concentrated solution to a higher concentration solution. And it does this to try to equalize, to balance things out. Water always seeks this balance, seeks equalization. And so it moves from a lower concentration of whatever you're talking about. Let's say it's sodium chloride or salt. If there's a solution on one side of a membrane and a solution on the other side, one is more concentrated than the other. The water is going to want to pass through that membrane into the more concentrated side so that they even out. That's actually what osmosis is. And typically it's referred to as the movement of water across a semi-permeable membrane, which means that the salt can't get across. It's too big to get across the membrane. Or in our cells, we have these things called aquaporins, which are like openings in the membrane that allow water to pass through. And the salt won't as easily be able to pass through, although we have um, certainly channels where sodium can pass through. And it's super important in so many things in our body, like even just the stuff we do without thinking about it, the movement, moving our hands, our fingers, our toes, walking, you know, the transmission of nerve impulses is, and our muscles, our muscle use during exercise relies on this thing called the sodium channel to transmit these nerve impulses is super important. So we need sodium. We have to have it. It's crucial. It's part of life. We need water. Yes, we do. We can't live without either of these things. So that's why I'm super pumped, super excited to talk about it. And so just briefly with respect to water, um, you know, it's it's one of these things that we need, right, for life. You know, 70% or, or so of the earth is water. 
Um, our bodies are between 60 and 70 percent water, and in adults, a little less than that, around 60 percent. We kind of drop off as we age as babies. I think we're around 70 to 75 percent water, um, and then sort of drops a little bit over our lifetime. We get a little bit, you know, <laughs> dried out. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, just uh, pull up on your skin and then your baby's skin and then maybe your grandparents' skin and, and you'll sort of see, you know, this changes over our lifetime. But we should strive to always maintain a good hydration. And what does that mean? You know, in, in super simple terms, you know, the amount of water that you need is the amount of water that you need, the amount to stay hydrated, right? So when you pee, it's sort of a clearish water type color urine or a really, really light yellow. If you're peeing kind of a darker yellow, well, that's uh, very simple. You're dehydrated. So you need to drink more water. And, you know, what's the rule of thumb out there for water intake? Well, there's a lot of different formulas out there. And it really, to be honest, it just, I hate to say it, but it kind of depends, right? Everybody has different you know, needs if you consult, uh, you know, the Mayo Clinic or the National Institute of Health um, and the National Academy of Sciences. They, they often quote, uh, and I'm sorry, guys, it's not the eight glasses of water a day that you learned as a kid. It's actually, you know, eight cups or, or whatever it is, eight ounces each. It's like 64 ounces. That's not going to be enough, almost not for anybody. They quote this figure for adult men, 15.5 cups. So it's not eight cups of water, but 15.5 cups. This is 3.7 liters. It's basically about a gallon of water a day for an adult male. And that's just kind of a baseline. If you're living in Hawaii Ne like me and you go out and you exercise and you're sweating like crazy, you're going to need a lot more water than that. And you can just listen to your body. We have this thing called the hypothalamus. Um, we have hormones that tell us um, whether we need more water or not. If you just listen to your body, listen to the signals, if you feel thirsty, go ahead and drink. And here's another life hack for you. If you feel hungry, you may actually be dehydrated. So drink some water. This is a little life hack for you. Instead of just snacking if you feel hungry, instead try, like I mentioned before in other podcasts, don't snack between meals, but actually if you feel hungry, just drink water. Drink water between meals. That will often satisfy this kind of hunger pain or, or this feeling of hunger, which actually could be crisscrossed in the body and may actually be a signal that you're dehydrated and may actually be thirst instead of hunger. Look at that. Right out of the gates, guys, I'm already giving you pearls about how much water to drink, how to stay hydrated, how to um, overcome hunger. Um, and this need to snack, you can often overcome it with just simply drinking water, staying hydrated. I've mentioned this before, but at the beginning of a meal, drink a glass of water right at the outset, at the beginning of a meal, because that will stretch your stomach. There's receptors there that sense that stretch, and they will cause a feeling of satiety, and you'll want to eat less, especially if you're trying to, you, you know, trying to drop a couple of pounds. This is a Super cool, easy, free life hack for you. Also, another thing is um, first thing in the morning when you wake up, I drink a full tall glass of water, usually about 16 ounces, sometimes 24 ounces, because at night, typically, if you're sleeping through the night, sleeping like a baby, like I hope you all are, and if you're not, listen to my podcast on circadian rhythm and, and learn some pearls about how to get better sleep and, and get your body's rhythm in, in sync, but that nighttime period if you're sleeping six or eight hopefully closer to seven or eight hours you haven't hydrated yourself during that time 
Um, unless like me, when I was on the mainland a while back, I was there for a funeral and, and I was in a drier part of the country and, and I'd wake up with a dry mouth. I'd have to get up in the middle of the night and drink a little water. But typically if I'm back home, like I am now in Hawaii, I, I don't usually get up to drink water in the middle of the night. And so when I wake up, we're all a little bit dehydrated, you know, because we're not drinking uh, during the night. Typically we're having lots of insensible losses through just perspiration, through our breathing. Um, this is actually something that happens super commonly if we're ever on an airplane because the air there is super dry, way drier than we are used to. It's super easy to get real dehydrated on an airplane. Plus we don't want to have to get up and pee, right? Cause it's just annoying to have to walk up and down and, and have to wait in line or whatever it is. Although nowadays, you know, I just flew recently and typically the flights are fairly empty. It's, I didn't have to wait in line ever to pee, which was great. Um, and I tried to stay hydrated during my flight. So another, another life hack right there for you about water and kind of a rule of thumb that I use is it works for me and my body size is about an ounce of water per pound of body weight, roughly for a, a reasonably active person like myself. And so I'm about 155 pounds. I drink about 155 ounces a day, roughly, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, depending on the day. And so this is right about in that 15.5 cups. That's, you know, right around 125 or 6 uh, ounces. So I drink a little bit more than that. Typically, or I try to just because I'm sweating like crazy, especially back home here in Hawaii. I did a, a little skate session yesterday, and it was like midday because I was working in the afternoon. So I had to get my exercise in before work, and I was literally just pouring, pouring sweat. And so... The key thing here is listen to your body. Take the signals that you get. Uh, look at the color. I know you got to look at your pee. No, none of us want to do that, but we do, right? I mean, we almost always do, especially guys, right? We're right, we're right there staring at it. If that stuff is dark yellow, you got to improve your hydration. It's easy to do. One of those life hacks for you. It's free, generally speaking. Um, and if we have time later, I'll get into the quality of the water we drink, because that also does make a difference. A lot of places that we may live in the world may not have the best quality water, so you may need to pay more attention to that. I am so blessed living in a couple of places, especially Hawaii Ne, We have among the best drinking water in the country. It's amazing. I just drink right out of the tap, generally speaking, and, and I try to take water with me. And typically, it's a stainless steel bottle. Or a glass bottle. I try not to drink too often out of plastic bottles. But but if you have to, like when I was on my flight recently, that's all they give you, right? They serve you up this little plastic bag, and it has a small glass of, or I should say a small bottle of water in it. And that's it. That's all you get. You can always ask for another one, get a second one. And although I don't love, love, love drinking out of plastic because of all the other issues, the BPA, the, the potential you know, estrogen containing compounds in there and all that other stuff that I've talked about before. It's just better than not drinking anything. <laughs> it's better than getting dehydrated. But in general basis, always great to drink your water out of glass or, or say a stainless steel beverage container. Those aren't going to give you stuff that you just don't want. Anyway, enough on that. Let's get back into where we were, which was sodium and how sodium and water relate to each other so much, you know, and, and you can, Pretty hard to do, by the way. You can actually over-drink, drink too much water, and this, of course, will kind of dilute the sodium uh, or the electrolytes in your body. This causes a low causes a lower sodium called hyponatremia. This can actually be dangerous, life-threatening. Unfortunately, we hear about this a couple times a year, usually during 
sort of the frat and sorority season where they have people do their rush and, and do, you know, these challenges, whatever you want to call them. Um, um, I, I don't even know what they call them. I wasn't in a, a fraternity or sorority like this when I was in sort of those, those, you know, geeky Phi Delta Phi, Phi Kappa Phi, you know, sort of honors society things for my academics and stuff. And so I didn't do like the regular fraternity thing, but often they do in the rush week, they do like these water drinking things. You got to drink a couple gallons of water in a short order. And that's not good. Don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. You could actually drink yourself to death. I kid you not from over drinking of water. So don't do that. Drink the amount of water that you need, the amount that your body calls for based upon your thirst, right? Or maybe based upon your, your hunger, which may actually be thirst. So it just, everybody's a little bit different. Um, do your best to pee clear, pee this water-colored, light yellow-colored urine, and then drink if you're hungry. That can help as well. And if you're doing a bunch of exercise and you're sweating a whole bunch, drink water to replace that. If you're thirsty for sure, you could even do this little hack, take a pinch of salt, uh, put it in your water before your workout. <coughs> That'll actually help you as well. I don't necessarily subscribe to uh, these rehydration drinks because often... They have a lot of stuff that you don't need. A lot of them contain a bunch of sugar, and that's actually not awesome. We've talked about that before, and often they contain artificial sweeteners, sucralose, things like that, which are also not awesome. So water, 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 it's free, it's beneficial, it's awesome. It'll follow salt. It's so, so important. And, and salt in and of itself is, as I mentioned at the outset, necessary for us. We absolutely 100% need it in our bodies. It's, it's so crucial. I mean, salt has been something historically it's been so important, right? There have been people who have died over battles uh, over salt, right? I mean, they've literally salt in, in ancient societies was often used as their currency, it was super valuable, right? It was something that they would use because not like us, they didn't have refrigerators, right? Salt was kind of like their refrigerator. If they, they, you know, went on a hunt and got some meat and they needed to have some leftover for tomorrow and the next day and the next day uh, because they couldn't get any, all they could do was salt it. And that kind of helps dehydrate it, keeps the bugs away, you know, gets it preserved, um, and so it's been used for thousands of years. Super important. You know, some of you might ask, um, you know, is it important what kind of salt I buy? You know, just that, uh, you know, iodized table salt, that really fine stuff. Or should I get the Himalayan pink salt? Should I get that Hawaiian black sea salt? Should I get, um, you know, there's so many kinds out there. There's this uh, Redmond's uh, salt, which is kind of a cool story. I actually, I was, I was... <laughs> Uh, you know, doing a bunch of research for this. And there is a physician uh, originally from India. I can't recall her name right now, but she was talking about salt and what kind of salt she uses. And she'd done all this research. And she actually uses this type called uh, Redmond's uh, Real Salt. And it's kind of cool, the history of this. It's actually, I, I had to look it up on the map. And, you know, sorry, maybe my shame, I should probably have known this, but it's right in the center of Utah is a salt mine that was an underground lake you know, one of these salt water lakes, you know, it was actually part of the, probably part of the ocean, you know, millennia ago, there's places in Utah, you know, that were all covered by water. It's super interesting when you look at the historic and geologic uh, traces of, of sort of the um, history of our world, right? It at one point was covered in an ocean, and this was kind of one of those uh, salt 
salt lakes or salt seabeds under underground and it's near this town and that it's basically smacked up in the middle of Utah, Redmond. And and the cool thing about this salt mine in particular is it's obviously it's a natural salt. They're not doing a bunch of uh, processing, deodorizing, adding other fillers. Sometimes, I mean, just read the label. Sometimes you'll buy like a table salt and it'll have fillers in it. Like, I kid you not, glucose. Like, what the heck? Why would somebody put glucose or sucrose uh, in the salt? Well, they do it for a couple of reasons. One, it makes you want to add more salt, right? And what what would they want better than for you to buy more of their salt? Two, it's, uh, you know, it's a filler. It also salt and sweet. You know, if you put them together, your body will crave it even more, right? We know how addictive sugar can be. Um, so it's crazy. Like I didn't even realize that sometimes you buy table salt and it's actually got sugar in it. Like what the heck? Right. So anyway, this is kind of a cool salt. Um, Redmond's real salt. I'm actually, I actually ordered some <laughs> this week. I wanted to check it out. I, I don't have any currently at home. I use typically the Himalayan pink sea salt. Um, and actually I've been using salt that I got in Peru recently, which is a cool, cool story. If you guys have ever been to Peru or Hopefully, in your lifetime, you'll get a chance. An amazing place, not far from Cusco. There's a couple of salt mines, which are way up high in the Andes Mountains, which is pretty bizarre. You know, they have underground uh, salt uh, lakes, if you will, that that have been there for thousands of years. And and they use this salt water and basically let it evaporate and then serve you up this awesome, awesome, you know, inland sea salt, basically, which is mineral-rich as well. Another reason to to get some of these, you know, natural salts, not the real processed iodized salt, the super finely grained that you buy as table salt, I would recommend um, looking for a more high quality natural salt because you also get some trace minerals like calcium, potassium, iron, zinc. Often they have some natural iodine in there as well. Um, and they have all these trace minerals and nutrients that this processed table salt often is devoid of it just doesn't have so you know take a look pay attention to what kind of salt you use i usually use some version of a, a rock salt or a himalayan pink sea salt or like i said recently i've been using the salt i got from peru um, which is from i think the maras uh, salt mine which is really cool to see it, if you just google it the pictures they kind of tear us out you know, these uh, areas in steep mountains and let the water, you know, run onto them. Each each family has a little plot and they basically let it evaporate. They scoop the salt up and they put it in big bags. And we actually got the, the honor and pleasure to watch this happen. And then I bought a few bags of, of their Peruvian Andean sea salt, which was which was super cool. Um, anyway, and enough of all that. But I, I think that gives you an idea of, of what, once again, we put into our bodies does, of course, matter. What quality of salt we use. We all need salt. How much do we need? Well, it depends. <laughs> so according to the American Heart Association, they would like us to have no more than 2,300 milligrams of sodium a day, which is basically almost, I, almost exactly one teaspoon of salt. And this doesn't sound like very much, but I actually did this experiment today because I just wanted to kind of palpate, feel, kind of get a sense of how much this is. I got my teaspoon measuring um, scoop, you know, from baking, and I measured it out, and I dumped it into a little bowl. I put my fingers in it. I played with it, and, I, you know, you know this proverbial take a pinch of salt. Well, it took me more than 50 
pinches of salt. I think it was like around 70 or 75 it took me to actually pick up all this uh, uh, table salt. This is that really fine stuff, table salt, and put it into another container. I just wanted to get a rough idea how much salt that was. So it was actually more salt than I thought. You know, I thought, wow, just one teaspoon a day, that doesn't sound like that much. And I, I love my salt. I love to salt my food. I eat, you know, natural whole foods generally that don't have any added salt. So so I, I need it. I need the salt. I'm sweating like crazy, like I said. Um, and so it was actually more salt than I thought. And and that's kind of just the general recommendation, 2,300 milligrams, uh, 2.3 grams, which if you live in a hot place like I do, it's generally not enough. Um but why is it that a lot of us get too much salt in our diet? Well, the reason for that is that I'll just say it's not exactly insensible, but most of us just don't notice how much salt we're getting in our diet, especially if we eat ever at a restaurant or if we eat ever anything that's sort of a processed or packaged food, like even stuff like breakfast cereal and bread. They actually have a fair amount of sodium in there. Um, almost anything that comes in a can Lots of sodium. I mean, why is that? Well, as we learned thousands and thousands of years ago, salt is huge in the preservation department, right? It's, a, it's an amazing preservative. So anything on the label that says sodium, whatever, sodium chloride, sodium, whatever, there's tons of salt in these processed foods. And so actually, the average American gets about 70% of their daily salt intake, which tends to be about three grams for most Americans, so a little bit more than what they're recommending. They get 70% of it, which is basically, you know, around 2,000 or so, 2,300 milligrams. They're getting it just from processed foods or for eating out at a restaurant. Anybody that's ever owned a restaurant or has ever cooked for people knows that to make it tasty, salt almost always makes it more tasty. Of course, you know, as long as you don't overdo it. You know, I digress, but there was one time I think we made cookies and, and we somehow, I don't know what happened, we ended up putting salt instead of sugar. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Like, yeah, we couldn't eat that. But anyway, <laughs> salt, generally speaking, will, will help our food be more flavorful. Our taste buds like it. Um, and unfortunately, too many of us don't even notice how much salt is in our diet. So, you know, some of us definitely need to limit the salt if we already have things like high blood pressure uh, most people with high blood pressure already can be more sensitive to salt because salt helps you hold on to more water. Remember, salt and water are related. If it's you're eating a bunch of salt, your water is going to want to retain some water. That retained water could, in some people, elevate their blood pressure, but not in a normal, you know, healthy person that doesn't have high blood pressure already. Most of them will not have any issues with eating salt. Um, but if you already have high blood pressure or you know you're a salt-sensitive person and you tend to retain water, you may want to pay a little bit more attention to this. Um, like I said, the general guideline is 2,300 milligrams a day, which is actually a decent amount. Like I said, it was over 50 pinches of, of table salt for me when I did my little experiment. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's interesting data on this, and it's not clean-cut. It's not straightforward. Basically, Salt, I could consider it kind of the Goldilocks uh, ingredient, right, or sodium. Too much is not good. But when, when they say too much, I mean, I was reading, you know, the American Heart Association stuff and other uh, organizations, the American College of Sports Medicine. I mean, basically, when they say too much, they're talking about over 10 grams a day. Like, that's sort of more 
dangerous kind of thing. But um, it's it's a big range, you know. So everybody's going to need a little bit uh, different amounts of salt based upon their diet, based upon how much water they drink, how much they're sweating. So I can't give you one blanket, you know, prescription for each person uh, what salt content you need. But like I said, the American Heart says 2,300 milligrams which is, is probably a middle-of-the-road number. You know, between 2 and 3 grams is probably a decent amount of salt. Uh, for most of us, uh, some may need more, some may need less, especially if you already have problems like uh, high blood pressure or heart disease or congestive heart failure or kidney failure. Oftentimes, you need to pay a lot more attention to your salt intake. But actually, like I said, it's not straightforward. There's lots of data that suggests if you go too low, you actually can be harming yourself. So, so too low, too high, <laughs> neither one of them is awesome. Keep, keep your intake somewhere in the middle, you know, somewhere between two and three grams a day. Um, it's something that, you know, if you really need to cut back, it's actually probably going to be way easier than you think because literally if you just cut back on eating out, which is pretty easy right now, right? It's like most places you can't even eat out. You got to get takeout. And then by the time you get cold, uh, home, the food is cold, whatever. I mean, especially where I live, right? I live uh, in Hawaii. I'm like 40 minutes from the main town. Uh, if I'm on the mainland, I'm also about 30 or 40 minutes from the main town. I'm in, in both places. I'm in rural, rural places. So takeout is not awesome because the food's always cold when I get to it. Um, <laughs> so cutting that out will, will usually cut out a lot of salt because uh, anything you buy eating out is going to have a bunch of salt in it. And plus it's kind of expensive. So save some money. Here's just a couple of uh, tidbits on how much salt is actually in some of these uh, processed foods, like one pack of roasted um, Turkey, um, you know, these uh, processed meats is like 5,000 milligrams. And this is just a small pack, you know, that you'd probably use over the course of a week. Uh, there's this thing called a Dunkin' Donut salt bagel. I've never had it, but, but 4,590 milligrams of salt, basically like double your daily recommendation in one salt bagel. Like, holy crap, I had no idea. Fried rice has about... Uh, 2680, 2680 milligrams in one serving. Um, one teaspoon, as I mentioned, is 2300 milligrams. Uh, one pack of Oscar Mayer Lunchables, you know, one pack has 1940 milligrams of sodium. Holy freaking crap! One pack. Well, you know, let's be honest. How many of us thought the Oscar Mayer Lunchables was actually healthy? I mean, uh, if we allow ourselves to really think about it and how unnatural and highly processed this is. Yeah. Okay. I guess it makes sense. It's probably not healthy. Soy sauce. I, I have to say I do use it from time to time here in Hawaii. Nei, I mean, it's like a staple one tablespoon, which is a fair amount. One tablespoon is 1,260 milligrams. Okay. Something that I didn't really think about, but if you buy a can of pasta sauce, you know, just pay attention to the sodium. I mean, one cup of it, um, which, you know, you might need half of that for your, your pasta or whatever. It's 1,200 milligrams. A, uh, chicken noodle soup, 1,000 milligrams. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with the Mr., um, what is it, Mott's and Mrs. T's Bloody Mary mix, I just thought this was on there. I'd throw it in there. Six ounces of that mix is over 1,000 milligrams of <laughs> sodium. So all these things we often don't even think about have lots and lots of salt in them. And like I said, processed foods, eating out, lots of salt. So if you just cut back on that, 
you could still salt your, you know, your vegetable, salt, whatever you want to salt at home eating. I, one thing I just cannot live without is avocados. And I love, love, love putting salt on them. Like, it's amazing. You know, you slice avocado in half, have my sea salt grinder, um, grind some salt on either side of it, just put a spoon in it, and that's it. That's like heaven for me. I love, love, love avocado with some sea salt. So anyway, get just back to this uh, issue of blood pressure. Does reducing salt actually lower blood pressure? Well, it kind of depends. Like I said, if we don't have high blood pressure, we're not salt sensitive, um, it probably doesn't matter that much as long as we're not eating grams and grams and grams and grams and grams of it, right? Um, there, there are a lot of studies on this, and basically the ones that show anything significant uh, for lowering blood pressure um, by lowering salt intake is basically the people that already have high blood pressure. In normal, healthy people, uh, when you lower their salt intake um, and, and control for other factors, it really doesn't do much to your blood pressure. Maybe one to two milligrams of mercury, one to two. That's like if your blood pressure was 120 over 80, it might lower it to 119 or 118 over 78 or 79. I mean, it's just a teeny tiny, almost negligible. Certainly you would never feel this, but if you already do have high blood pressure and you reduce the salt intake, you may get some better, you know, mileage out of this. So pay attention, you know, um, pay attention to your blood pressure, whether or not you have high blood pressure already. If you don't know if you have it or not, you should check it because you know what we call it in medicine, high blood pressure or hypertension is the silent killer. <laughs> and the reason we say that is because most people don't feel anything. They don't even know they have high blood pressure. They could be walking around with a blood pressure of 180, even 200 systolic, whereas it's supposed to be 120 or less, you know, between 90 and 120 systolic is sort of that normal range. Um, and if, if you need to really monitor this and get your salt intake down, you might want to find some way to track it. And this, you know, it's not super hard. There's apps out there to, to monitor it. One is called chronometer. I, I personally don't, don't track carefully my salt intake because I just base it on my thirst level and so on. And I don't eat much for processed foods. So I don't really stress about salt and my blood pressure. Perfect. It's, it's less than 120 over 80. So, um, that's something you can do, you know, get one of these apps like chronometer or or what have you, just keep a little bit of a journal. And really, if you just pay attention to how much processed food you're eating and look at the labels, like actually read those dang things. I hope by now we're, we're paying attention a little bit more and then paying attention to when you eat out because most of that food is going to be highly salted. And then listen to your body because you can kind of tell if you're real thirsty, you know, um, just drink more water. If you're feeling lightheaded or you stand up and you're like, woo, feeling woozy, or you're getting muscle cramps, or you can't sleep that well, you may actually be low on salt. What's really interesting is I think we've been sort of told this myth that like muscle cramps are from low potassium. Well, to be honest with you, in actual practice, the real world, most of the time, if we're getting cramps, it actually means that we're, we may be low on potassium, but if you check a blood test, 99% of the time it's going to read normal, but we may actually be low on sodium. You know, we need, we actually need the sodium, like I mentioned at the outset, for nerve transmission, for a muscle, uh, all these things. And so if we're getting a lot of cramps, we may actually need a little bit more salt. 
in our diet. But like I said, pay attention to how much intake. Um, if you have any of these symptoms like lightheadedness, you feel faint or you do faint if you stand up, um, you may need more water, you may need more salt, you know, maybe worthwhile to get your uh, electrolytes checked. Um, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, we just really have to pay attention, right? We have to pay attention to our body. We have to listen to our body. I mean, when you take all comers, I, I found this study from the Cochrane database, which, you know, is a huge, huge database. They Usually what they do is they put a review up that, that uh, includes sometimes tens, hundreds of studies to try to get more numbers, right, the end on these things. And, and there was one that they uh, put out in 2014. Uh, they entitled it Reduced Dietary Salt for the Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease. And they wanted to take a look at whether, you know, this was reducing blood pressure, if the salt mattered, and these kinds of things. And at the end of the day, it was interesting because... This is the author's conclusion. I'll just read it. Despite collating more data than previous with systematic reviews of controlled trials, there is insufficient power to confirm clinically important effects of dietary salt on cardiovascular mortality in normotensives, people that don't have high blood pressure, or hypertensive populations. So that was interesting. Um, big, big, you know, combined uh, meta-analysis, you know, review of all these other studies. Um, so it's not simple. The problem of, of, of this that you've heard about your whole life of salt intake, it's, it's not exactly what you were told, but it does matter. Salt is crucial. Salt is necessary. I would say that the most important thing we can do is just pay attention to how we feel, right? If we're thirsty, drink water. If we are getting cramps, have more salt. And just pay attention to what our intake is. Try to limit the processed foods. Limit the added salts, you know, especially restaurants that already highly salt our food. Because both low salt and way too high salt, they can both cause issues, right? Some interesting things that I didn't really realize, but in the research I found that if we restrict ourselves too much, this actually elevates the bad cholesterol in our body, the LDLs that actually... Um, in certain studies, too low a salt actually was worse for our heart health. Um, the heart is a muscle, right? And it needs, just like muscles do, it actually needs uh, some sodium. Other studies showed that too low of salt could increase insulin resistance, and that's something we don't want. We want to be insulin sensitive. So, And then on the flip side, if we have way too much salt, there's been some studies that may link uh, high, high salt uh, um, you know, intake to something called gastric cancer, which is the third leading cause of cancer death worldwide. And so it's the Goldilocks phenomenon, right? We need to be somewhere in the middle. And I think if we pay attention to the cues that our body gives us, pay attention to what we're eating, knowing and recognizing which foods are actually really high in salt, like processed foods, you know, snack foods, canned foods, instant soups, processed meats, um, pickled foods. These are high salt containing foods, but even some hidden stuff that we may not have thought about like bread, breakfast cereal, you know, so just read the label, <laughs> read the label because salt plays such an important role in keeping our body healthy and functioning well. So, so important for our body in so, so many ways and, you know, it, it's just crucial to get the right amount. So pay attention to these cues. 
Um, you know, certain people might need a lot more salt than others, especially those that are super active, sweating a lot. If, if you know of anybody that may have cystic fibrosis, you probably know that these folks have super concentrated salt in their sweat, right? That's one of the symptoms like uh, mamas often will kiss and lick, you know, their babies and notice that they just seem super salty because they're losing salt to have a defect in their sodium chloride transporter and they actually salt is helpful for them, especially salt water. They have a whole whole program in Hawaii where they get cystic fibrosis folks out to be in the salt water, and it just greatly, greatly helps them. I, I doubt they're able to do that right now with all the issues going on with the pandemic and limiting travel and things. But salt and my favorite, one of my favorite vitamins, right, the vitamin C, S-E-A, <laughs> being in the ocean is awesome. Salt water is is awesome. I mean, some people may ask, can we drink salt water? Well, you could. It's not really awesome, and you'll you know get a whiff of that just trying to drink it, and it's actually too much salt drinking straight ocean water. But there are desalination um, plants. We actually had the great fortune, my wife and I, to uh, be on an island in the Bahamas that they got their water from desalination. So it can be done. The technology is there. It's just, you know, kind of expensive, more expensive than other ways to get to get water. So you you can certainly, you know, be able to um not super hard, you can desalinate uh seawater, but it, it is a more of an expensive process. Um but as we know, you know, it's seventy percent of our earth is covered in water. Most of that's in the oceans and then, you know, of course you got some of it in lakes and aquifers underground, these underground lakes. And it's super, super, super key that we stay hydrated, uh, stay, you know, at a good equilibrium with our water and salt balance. And so just a few parting tips that I can always go back to, which is eating more fresh whole foods, right? Because they don't have a lot of natural salt. Skip the processed stuff. Stick to the whole natural, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, and uncured, you know, just meat that you get fresh, you know, grass-fed, grass-finished. This, this stuff matters, you know. Um, it really does matter. You know, what they're feeding the meat that you purchase matters because if they're feeding it a bunch of processed seed oils and other kind of garbage, GMO corns, you know, like oftentimes they feed the animals, be it beef or poultry or whatever, and if you don't pay attention to this stuff, inadvertently, you're getting that stuff in you, which is not awesome. And, and you'll learn all about that when you listen to my podcast on the <laughs> vegetable oils, you know, the seed oils, which are truly garbage oils. And unfortunately, they're often fed to the very, you know, meat and poultry that we ultimately may eat. So you just got to pay attention. Once again, read the labels, grass fed, grass finished, free range, you know in the uh, poultry that are not being fed these oils and other GMO crops and things like that. Um, recommend uh, natural salt, like I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, a sea salt, Himalayan sea salt, a Peruvian salt, or even this salt uh, right in the center of this natural underground sea salt deposit in Utah from the Redmond salt people. Um, any of that, there's, there's a Celtic or Celtic salt that's really good, red or black Hawaiian sea salt. <coughs> really, any of these uh, natural salts are tending to be better than just a highly processed table salt because they also have some other micronutrients. So anyway, there you are. Uh, pay attention to your body. 
Um, if you're feeling thirsty, drink. If you're feeling hungry, drink. <laughs> Get your salt naturally. And then, you know, if you just have a bunch of this table salt sitting around that you'd rather not use and you'd rather substitute it for one of these other natural salts, hey, salt can, can do a lot of cool stuff. Like, this is the chemist in me, right? <laughs> Did you know that you could actually remove rust with getting some salt and lemon juice and scrubbing it? Like, Legit, this stuff works, right? You can, you can even um, use it as kind of an ant deterrent. You put salt around your window seals if you're having an ant problem. You can even brush your teeth with salt. <laughs> you can kill the, the weeds and the cracks on your driveway with salt. This is actually what I use. I sprinkle salt. I get those giant bags from Home Depot. I try not to use any kind of pesticides, especially at home and things. And, and salt is awesome. <laughs> right? It can soothe the sore throat. We all know that. That's true. It can exfoliate your skin. So (coughs) if you need to get rid of some of this junk salt and you need another use for it, there you are. There's a couple. (laughs) And that at the end of the day, I think um, you'll appreciate that salt typically is not the enemy. Salt is something we all need but we need to pay attention to our intake. We need to take the cues from our natural hormones, pay attention to where it comes from, where it's sourced, and pay attention to both our salt and water intake. So hopefully you guys have found value here. I just I love sharing this stuff. I think it's so, so important that, uh, you know, we get real information. We ourselves with the studies and the research and, and the stuff that's applicable to our lives and what can really help us move the needle forward with our health, with our wellness, with our just, you know, how our body feels and, and performs and having the appropriate amount of salt in our diet is super, 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 super important. So take those cues, pay attention. I hope you found value here. Please feel free to share this with your friends, family, your loved ones. And share it on your social media. Tag me. Oh, I can't wait to just give you guys a big hug when that's more easy to do. (laughs) But right now, virtual hug to all you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Just really love you guys and appreciate you. Keep the feedback coming. Appreciate your reviews. Appreciate all of that. Send me questions, comments, what topic subject matter you'd like to find more about and I will do my best to get it out there to you love you guys a big giant aloha big hug from Hawaii ne aloha